Good morning, Impact City Church. It's, it's a privilege to be here this morning with y'all. It's a privilege to be able to speak to y'all this morning. Um, we will continue our series on heroes. And I want to start off with Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 2. And it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You may have a seat. You know, we're going to focus this morning on let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And my hero would be Paul. Paul was, we'll dive into the life of Paul here in a little bit. But Paul to me was an, an amazing person. If, if you know, he wrote most of our New Testament. He wrote 13 letters or the 13 epistles. And he wrote it to some churches and to certain people as well. Like the churches were the church in Corinth, the church in Thessalonica, and to the people, Timothy, Titus, Philemon. You know, but we're going to look at the life of Paul. And we'll see what we can get out of it, what he went through, how he lived. There was other heroes that stood out to me, but Paul, for some reason, was in my mind a lot more here lately. And... We're going to dive into it some. So through the second half of Acts, that's when we see Paul. And the 13th epistles, we learn of who Paul was, what he did, and what he meant to the church. Looking at Paul's lives, we can be encouraged, but also challenged to run the race that is set before us like he did. Encouraged to know that through whatever comes our way, our hope is in God and only him alone. Challenged by the footsteps that he walked, because being able to boast about what he had gone through, he didn't, and he humbly followed God wholeheartedly. If we know the life of Paul, we know that he could have boasted of everything he went through, but he didn't. He still gave honor and glory to God. We are called to run this race ourselves. And not being shaken in our faith, even when we see the world and society around us start to crumble. To hold on to what we believe and truly work out this Christian walk that we are called to do. We call ourselves Christians. Let's walk it out. Let's, just, let's not just say it by words. Let's live out this Christian walk that we have been called to walk. It would take more than a sermon to go through the life of Paul. It would... It would, it would take studies. It could take weeks to figure out the footsteps of Paul, what he walked, where he walked, what he did, what he spoke, to whom he spoke, and why did he speak the way he did. But we're going to look at some key points in Paul's life that we can apply to our own life today as believers. So the first question is, who was Paul? If you knew, knew Paul, his he was actually going by the name of Saul when we first see him in Acts. He was, he was born Saul of Tarsus. His Roman name was Paul. Even Paul wrote about himself, of who he was. And he wrote, he was a Jew by circumcision, circumcised on the eighth day, from the tribe of Benjamin, as of the law of Pharisee, as to zeal a persecutor of the church, 
as to righteousness, which is in the law, he would be blameless. So he had every right to boast of who he was and what he had been through. So if we look at Paul's life, he was a Pharisee. So he knew the law. He knew what Moses and the prophets had spoken of Jesus. Yet he still persecuted the church. And it's amazing how the transformation of Paul came to happen. And this is where we end up when he was called. We first see or read about Paul in Acts at the stoning of Stephen. It's in Acts chapter 7. And, we, and it says that the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of Saul. And in chapter 8, we, be, we continue to read that at that, Saul, at, at that time, Saul approved of the stoning of Stephen. So Stephen was the first martyr for Christ. And then after that, we continue to read that Saul began to persecute the church. He started going into houses and taking out the men and the women out of the houses and imprisoning them. And Acts 9 is where we begin. Acts 9, chapter 1, or Acts, Acts 9, verse 1. But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues, synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Here we find Saul chasing the church, chasing the, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus Christ, Paul has letters from the high priest. He is able to go to any synagogue, take out the followers of Jesus, and persecute them. And then he, all of a sudden, is confronted with a shining light that blinds them. And he hears the voice. The voice tells him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, who are you, Lord? He says, I am Jesus. Saul had an encounter with God. He heard the voice of God. And he tells him, go to the city, and I will tell you what to do. And there was a few men with, with Saul at the time. They picked him up. They helped him get to the city. And in the meantime, in that city where, where Paul went, there was a man by the name of Ananias. And he had his own dialogue with, with Jesus as well. And Jesus said, Ananias, go pray for Saul. Pray for his healing. And Ananias knew of the news that Saul came with. He knew that Saul had letters from the high priest to persecute anybody that followed Jesus. So Ananias, in verse, verse 13, says, But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done for your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. Verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of, the, of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. I want to focus on verse 15. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Here we see that Jesus has called Paul and Jesus is calling you as well. You know, we see the Lord's calling on Paul's life at this moment. We see throughout the rest of his life what Paul does with his calling. 
Paul went from a persecutor of the church, a Pharisee who knew the law of Moses, who knew about the prophets and what the prophets spoke about, to becoming a follower of the way. The same people he persecuted is the same people he became. He knew about the coming Messiah. He knew what was written, and yet he still persecuted the church. Paul had an encounter with Jesus, and his life was transformed. He wasn't the same he was. Even his past wasn't even brought into question when Jesus confronted him. We see at that moment that when Saul was blinded, Jesus didn't say, Paul, this is your past. This is everything you've done. No, God called them and said, you will be a chosen instrument. So God is calling you today, church, to be a chosen instrument for his work, for his good news. Just like Paul had an encounter with the Lord himself, his past didn't disqualify him from his calling. So your past does not disqualify you from your calling. What has the Lord called you to do today? What has the Lord called you to do for his kingdom? Sometimes we, see, we get so caught up with our past and think that the Lord cannot use me because of my past. The Lord cannot use me because of my mistakes or my, my, of my struggles. But know that the Lord does not disqualify you because of your mistakes or your past. We see Saul, he was a, he was a murderer. We see he was a, bas- a blasphemer. And yet he was not disqualified because God chooses a willing heart. Do you have a willing heart, church, to be used by God Almighty? Do you have a willing heart to surrender everything to God and let him use you? It's amazing what one encounter can do with God. It can change the trajectory of your life in an instant, as we see the perfect example in Paul. He felt that the followers of Christ were wrong and that he was bringing justice to them because of what the law had said. But we know that his calling was different. Once he had that encounter with God, everything else changed. He was, a, he was called to be a chosen instrument by God. What is your calling, church, today? Are we living out our calling as a church? Are we living out our calling as men? Are we leading our families like we are called to lead them? Are, and what wives are y'all living out your calling as the Lord has put in your lives? What calling has the Lord placed in your life? Maybe you're too afraid of your past and your mistakes that you don't know if God can use you. But just know, just like Paul, his past was not taken into consideration. God still used them. God still called them. So he's still calling you. You know, to have an encounter with God, our lives will be different. There will be a change in us where things that we once liked that went all against God, we will begin to despise. So the things of this world that constantly craves, that we constantly crave because of our sinful nature, will begin to despise. There will be change in us, and our past won't be used against us, but it will be used to show God's mercifulness, God's great mercy, his power, and his gracious love towards us. That even at our lowest and most unwanted moments and times, he still called us and redeemed us 
for his glory and his purpose. When we see Paul was called, but at the same time, he was, it says that the Lord also called him to suffer for his namesake. So just know, just because you're called, life will not always be easy. We, we walk this Christian walk thinking it's going to be easy for us, but sometimes we're going to go through struggles. But we can always rely on the Lord. That's the amazing thing about God, that he will never leave us alone. He will never forsake us. He will always be with us. That even when we feel at our deepest and lowest moments, that he is still there, that he has never left us. We are called, each and every single one of us. Many people have different callings to ministry, to serve others. But know that your calling is not to boast about yourself. It's not about to bring yourself out. It's to glorify God in everything we do. It's to give him all honor and all glory. Because only he is worthy of it. And we see throughout the epistles that Paul suffered much. And he was, he was later the one that was being persecuted and put in prison. But throughout his life, he never complained about the sufferings that he must endure. While running his race, he saw it all to bring honor and glory to God and never himself. Even through his brokenness, he still brought honor and lived out his calling that God put in his heart. Many of us struggle through the brokenness. We see that being broken can be hard. We may have come from a broken home, a broken marriage. We have addictions that have broken us, and yet we find ourselves wondering if God can use our brokenness, and we don't even understand the, the purpose of our brokenness. But the question is, are we using our brokenness to glorify God? We see Paul uses brokenness to always give glory to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelation, a thorn was given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, and it should have, that it should leave me. But he said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness. For the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We see Paul plead with God three times, take the thorn of the flesh away from me. And it's still a debate what the thorn of the flesh was. Some people think it's, it was, might have been something spiritual, something physical, something emotional. It's, there's still a debate. We don't, Paul doesn't give too much detail what, what the thorn of the flesh actually was. But he said, God, take this thorn away from me. T take this pain or whatever it may be. Some of us are in the same boat asking God, take this pain away from me. Take this addiction away from me. Take this struggle away from me. Bring my family back to you, Heavenly Father. We're constantly in struggle, but God's told them, my grace is sufficient for you. Many of us need to hear that today and constantly hear it over and over. God's grace is sufficient for you today, tomorrow, and forevermore. God's grace is sufficient through your struggle. God's grace is sufficient through, through your addiction, through your pain, through your suffering. Some of us suffer through illnesses that even the doctors can't figure out. But God's grace is sufficient. God's healing is sufficient. His grace is sufficient that when you are healed, it will be for God's honor and his glory. God's grace is sufficient 
through whatever illness, whatever addictions that is breaking you. God's grace is sufficient through your prayer to reach that lost child that you have. God's grace is sufficient for us today. The Lord continues to tell Paul that his power is made perfect in weakness. Whether I'm weak in the struggle, in this pain, I know that the Lord's power is greater than my weakness. So even if I struggle, even if, if I feel like falling down, I know that God's grace is sufficient, and yet his power is made perfect in my weakness. Because as a man, as flesh and bones, I am weak. I will fail, but God will never fail. He is perfect. We see that our strength doesn't come from a church building. It doesn't come from, from coping with the struggles that we have to. But our strength comes from the Lord himself. Whenever we face a struggle, we know that his grace is sufficient. Even the word speaks of him. His Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that will provide. His Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. His El Shaddai is Lord Almighty. Is he Lord Almighty in your life, church, today? That whatever your struggle you're going through, that his grace is sufficient for you today and tomorrow. I know that my God that I serve is greater than my struggle. I know that the God that I serve is bigger than my pain. I know that God will supply my every needs. He will comfort me when I have sorrow. He will be with me when I feel alone. Because in my weakness, his power is made perfect. Even through Paul's brokenness that we see, he never said, I will boast about this. He said, I must be made low so he may abound. He's, Paul wrote, I will abase so that he may abound. So in our lives, even if we do struggle and we get past the struggle, do we give God the glory or do we think that we did it all on our own power? Even through our brokenness, God will still get the glory. Even if the season seems never ending, God will ultimately get the glory. Sometimes, as Paul did, we feel that our faith may waver. But we need to hold on to what we've read, to what we've learned, and to what God is calling us. Because if God has called you, he will see you through. He will see you through whatever calling he has placed in your life. It will not be easy. But through this brokenness that we sometimes feel, because it's an everyday struggle to walk this Christian walk. But we know that through God's grace, it will be sufficient. We see Paul coping while in prison. He wrote more letters. And he constantly said, God's grace is sufficient for me. We see Paul, he was, he was the persecutor, and then he became the persecuted. And we see him still give all honor and glory to God. And have we done that in everyday lives? Do we give all the honor and glory to God through, through whatever comes our way? You know, Paul, to me, he's, he's a hero in my eyes. Not just because he wrote most of the New Testament, not because 
of the things he wrote, which some of them are great, they're wonderful. But the way he lived his life, he held on to the faith, even though times were hard, even though times were tough and seemed like he was getting brought down. He knew what his calling was. He knew who called him from what he was before. Church, do you know who's calling you today? You know who called you from your past and who said, I will discard your past, but follow me from now on. Who is calling you today, church? And are we opening up our ears to listen to him and grab on to that calling that he has called us to and walk out this Christian life that he has called us to? And just know that it won't be easy. But through God's grace, we'll have everything we need and everything we will ever need. To close off, we'll look at the legacy that Paul left. We see the legacy Paul left written all over the 13 letters that he wrote. At the end, Paul the end of Paul's life, he instructs Timothy to lead and to teach faithful men. And when, when he knew his time was ending, we see his legacy and what was laid out from his calling through his brokenness and not through his ending. Second Timothy chapter, verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 6. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of the, my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day, and not only to me, but also who have loved his appearing. Verse 6, for I've already been poured out as a drink offering, and the time of departure has come. Paul knew that his time was coming to an end. So he writes to Timothy and instructs him. In Timothy 1 and, and Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy, he instructs him to teach faithful men. To, to, leave, to, to live a godly life just the way that he did. He said, Timothy, the way you followed me, teach man to follow you as well. And at the end, we will give God all the honor and all the glory. Verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have kept the faith. This is what I like about Paul. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have kept the faith. In our struggles, do we run the good race, or do we give up quickly? I have two, two children, our two oldest kids, they do cross country. So they love to run. They're constantly running. Um, the only reason I run is to the cake table at birthday parties. Amen. That's the only running I do. But they, they love to run. And I see them, they train their body. They're constantly having to train their body. They have to eat right. They have to discipline themselves. Uh, before a meet, my oldest son will be like, I, I tell him, you want something sweet? You know, some ice cream. He's like, I can't. I got to run. He's like, okay, so he's disciplining his body. We're running a race. We must discipline our body. We must keep the faith. We must discipline ourselves and to run to God. Don't run to what the world has to offer. We must run to God because only he can lead us out. You know, he said, I kept the faith. Keeping the faith can seem hard sometimes, especially when one thing 
it's, and then it leads to another thing. It becomes a domino effect in life. But keeping the faith, it's all we need to do. Easier said than done. But keeping the faith, we will see the end of the race. Just like Paul did. And what legacy will we leave? In verse 6 and verse 7, Paul says, I gave it all. I gave everything I had. I poured everything I had out. I poured out all of the calling that God has placed in my life. I have poured it out. I gave it all. I have fought the fight. I finished what I was called to do. And I stayed strong. And my reward will be in heaven. I look at my life and thinking of what I will leave behind. I'm still young. I'm still in my 30s. But just I have an hour to work of drive every single day and an hour back so I get to think a lot so sometimes I think about the legacy I'm leaving and the more time and hoping to have more time to live but when the Lord does call me what will be the legacy that I left behind will I have lived a life devoted to Jesus and ministry will I have lived a life devoted to my work more than I did God will I live the life that was devoted to to work and everything else around me and never gave time to my family Will I have lived a life that demonstrated Jesus everywhere I went? Will I have lived a life where I raised my children to know God, not because I forced them to be here, but to have their own relationship with him? What legacy will I leave behind? Will I have shown my children what it means to live and walk this godly lifestyle, this Christian walk? What legacy are we leaving behind? Like, Paul instructed Timothy to teach faithful men. We're also instructed to teach other men as well. What legacy do you want to leave when it's all said and done? What we do with our calling when we finish the race will have an impact on people. So the calling that God has placed in your life, just like in Paul's life, his calling was to reach the Gentiles, to reach people that weren't unreachable. What calling has God placed in your life? He has called us to reach the people that are lost without hope. He has called us to bring hope to the hopeless. He said, when he talks about the salt of the earth, we are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its flavor, what is it good for? It's good just to be thrown away. Church, you are called to be the salt of the earth. If we have lost our flavor, if we have lost the good news of Jesus Christ, then what are we doing? Our calling is to preach the good news to the world. Preach the good news that through Jesus Christ we can attain salvation. Through Jesus Christ our struggles are nothing. Even though we will have the pain and the struggle here on this earth. But our reward will be in heaven and not on this earth. Because we're not living for this life. We're living for the next one. So the legacy that Paul left can be simplified a little bit. And this has become my favorite scripture out of all the 13 letters that Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 1 and verse 2. And I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Verse 2. For I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. For I decided to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
Paul, who knew the law of Moses, who knew everything about the prophets and what they had spoken about. He was a Pharisee. Scholars even believe he was working his way to be part of the Sanhedrin. But he claimed to know nothing amongst all his peers except Jesus Christ and, and him crucified. To go from persecuting the church to have an encounter with God is just amazing. But the words that resonate more with me are those from 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 1, verse 2. For I've determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. What is it to know Jesus? To know Jesus is to know love. Because the word says, no greater love has no one than this, than to lay down their life for a friend. Jesus had died on the cross for our sins. And to know him crucified is to know mercy. To know God's mercy and his grace. To know God's forgiveness over us. That's why I've determined to know nothing amongst you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because without Jesus, the calling would have been for nothing. The brokenness would have been for nothing. The legacy we leave would have been for nothing. But with Jesus and what he did on the cross for us, it puts everything into place and it puts everything into perspective. That our life is not our own and it is his. We don't live for ourselves. We live to glorify God and only him. To know Christ, to know him crucified, it's to know forgiveness. With the blood that was shed on the cross, we know that we were forgiven. It's to know redemption, that, is, that he doesn't look at our past and say, I cannot forgive you for what you've done and for the mistakes you will continue to do. He says, I will forgive you because you are my son and you are my daughter. I was the one that deserved that punishment on the cross, not Jesus. I was the one that, is, that deserved the beating, the bruising, and the crown of thorns. But Paul said, I've determined to know nothing amongst you except Christ and him crucified. If that doesn't move you, does the crucifixion, does salvation even move you, church? To know Christ is to know what entails with love. To know mercy when we, were, when we were unworthy of it. To know grace when we were so undeserving of grace because of our past and everything we do. To know Christ and him crucified tugs at my heart. And it says, you are loved. You are worthy of salvation. You have a redeemer in Jesus Christ. For many of us, we see the life of Paul and how he lived. And he constantly gave honor and glory to God. And in his life, if it wasn't about Christ, he didn't want nothing to, to be a part of. In Philippians, he wrote, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. So he knew as long as I'm in this world, as long as I have breath in my body, I will glorify God on this earth. I will live for Christ each and every single day. But to die is to gain because I will get my reward in heaven. Church, are you willing to live for Christ today and know that you will, your reward is not, may not be here on earth, but it will be in heaven? 
Yes, you will be blessed here on earth, but our reward is not for here. It's for heaven. It's how many souls we can take with us. It's not about how much material things we can take with us. Because the material things will wither away and, and crumble. But the souls that get to enter heaven with us, it's so much greater. Paul better summarized his life from his calling to his brokenness and the legacy he left behind. If we can get the worship team to start getting ready. In 1 Timothy, this will not be on the notes. 1 Timothy 12, chapter 1, verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointed me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might displace his perfect patience as an example for those who were to believe in him for eternal life. I want to focus on verse 15. We see that Paul wrote about himself saying, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor. I was this bad person. I was an opponent against who Christ was. But I received mercy. Church, we have received mercy through Christ. Verse 15, the saying is trustworthy and the servant of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners of who I am the foremost. Jesus Christ came into this world to save sinners. Paul said that he was the foremost. I am that sinner that Paul's writing about. I am the one in need of mercy. I am the one that was ignorant and received forgiveness. Verse 16, but I received mercy for this reason. That in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in his eternal life. Many of us have came in here today thinking we're the worst of the worst. We've messed up so much and we have no hope. We've screwed up and there's no redemption for us. We messed up with our families. We messed up with our coworkers. We messed up with our kids. We are those sinners that have messed up. We haven't lived this life in a godly way. We haven't led our family to the feet of the cross. We've let the world have a bigger impact in our lives than we let God. We can change that today, though. We can run the race we were called to run. Just like Paul did. He was called to run and to reach the world. We are called to run the race. And even when we do run, and even if we do fall, guess what? Get back up and run again. 
get back up and run again. We must run to proclaim that Christ and him crucified to everyone that will hear. Live a life that shows the legacy of Christ. The same, the same legacy that Paul left to Timothy and to the people that followed after that and to us. Let's leave that legacy for our children, for our children's children. Let's leave that legacy to the people we meet each and every single day. Know that you are called. You are called to be a chosen instrument, church. To deliver the good news of salvation to the world. Yes, there might be points of brokenness in our lives. There will be points where people won't want to hear us. Where they won't want to accept the message of Christ. But what legacy are you leaving behind when it's all said and done? Did you run the good race did you keep the faith? Even if we feel like we have failed too much and there's no hope, and just know that today is the day that we can receive mercy. Because at the end of our race, all the glory and honor will go to Christ and Christ alone. Because only through him and by him we can attain salvation. Only through him and by him we're going to attain salvation, church. So what, what race are you running today? Heavenly Father, we just, we just come to you, God, praying that we run the race that you've set before us, that we keep the faith, God, even when it seems hard and we seem like we want to fail, God, that we keep the faith in this race, that we hold on to you, God. We hold on to your mercy that you've given us, that you've poured out. God, without your son, Jesus, we, we were unable to attain salvation, but we thank you that through him, we can attain salvation. And that is what it's to know Christ and him crucified God it's to know salvation at the end of it all at the end of my race it's to know salvation God and it's to know you if you want to make that decision today to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior today is the perfect day it don't have to be now it could be when you get home if there's a tug at your heart Listen to that calling in your life. God wants to use you. You're the instrument he has chosen, church. Heavenly Father, we accept that we're sinners in need of a Savior. We believe that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for our sins. That the blood that was shed was to wash our sins away, Heavenly Father. And we confess that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives. And we thank you. Amen.